Hello everyone. I hope you are doing well. We are back with another episode of Blitz Business. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Rishabh, thank you so much for coming over to Blitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks Ashish, thanks for having me. Great. Uh so Rishabh, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll talk about your venture, Ayurveda experience. Okay. Uh so about myself, I mean I was born and brought up in Delhi. Uh went to Columbus here, then went to College of Business Studies, studied finance. Um you know, while at college and for several years after college I was quite keenly involved with an organization called ISEC, uh which is a sizable youth and leadership development organization. So I used to head the Delhi chapter, then head the India chapter and was finally in the global headquarters in the Netherlands. Uh so it was a big part of my um you know college life and the three years three years after college uh post uh, isec i you know did a short stint in uh, in malaysia where i worked for a company which basically uh, sold personal development education products to the us market from malaysia um and that was sort of quite an eye opener that you could be today anywhere in the world and run a significant business in absolutely the other part of the world um and especially in our sort of direct to consumer fa- fashion so that was direct to consumer sort of personal development education and you know you could take that thesis to uh, almost anything else from services education to product right and uh, suppose i was there for for a little bit in 2009 in malaysia and then went to isb um and at isb i was in i was working on two ventures uh, while i was still uh, uh, you know doing my mba and uh, and then i incubated sort of one of them which seemed to survive more at isb for another year till about 2011 um and about uh, 2011 post graduation uh, one more year i spent for it about 2012 uh, at isb and uh, that same company the holding company transformative is uh, the company which today runs our platform which is the ayurvedaexperience.com um in all western countries and we've recently launched uh, in india as uh, tae.in uh, so uh, the holding company transformative uh, basically uh owns and manages all those platforms so uh, but just to roll back a little bit this company didn't start as an ayurveda company it started in 2000 and uh you know 10 11 during my isb time more as a content publisher and we used to basically publish courses around indian philosophy mythology um and other subjects of indology so initially was a sort of a online content publishing business which sold courses around these subjects to the west and uh, that's what it was till about 2014 where we did one course on ayurveda uh, under sort of our thesis of covering different aspects of indian knowledge and from that one course in ayurveda sort of over the next several years um, our entire business sort of pivoted to becoming uh, an ayurveda platform uh which is the ayurvedaexperience.com which sort of has the goal of posting uh several personally uh curated brands and curated and owned brands around ayurveda in today primarily skin but also coming soon supplements foods beverages and the same platform also hosts uh, some of our educational courses Mm-hmm. so uh so that's that's been the journey to get uh to the ayurvedaexperience.com in in brief and i'm sure, sure. we'll rewind and fast forward through the conversation so uh sure and so what was the uh pivotal moment in terms of rishabh for you to pivot from a content to a or d2c company uh, selling different products i mean what was the insight what led you to take such decision well yeah so just to lay more context there 
uh, when we were first when we used to sell courses, that was also D2C. We sold direct to consumer, and we sort of, uh, you know, defined the courses, worked closely with the authors, produced them. So we were all involved throughout the process, even then. So we went from a courses around Indian philosophy, etc., to courses around Ayurveda. So that was sort of the natural shift to many courses around Ayurveda. And that shift was primarily because, um, you know, we were not scaling very well around the courses around philosophy, mythology, etc. Uh, that could be for many, many reasons. Uh, so we, you know, then went to these courses around Ayurveda, which basically the, I think the headlines there would be that one in the Western world, yoga had done very well, right? So, um, Ayurveda is sort of a sister science of yoga. And uh, so there was probably some natural interest there. Secondly, Ayurveda can be very tangible because it uh, really can uh, help with optimizing your life and uh, you know management of several kinds of uh, ailments. So I guess it could be very tangible and hence had a real use case for people to actually pay for an Ayurvedic course. So that was the transition to Ayurvedic education. And for us, for me personally also, it was just much more coherent. Uh, you know, I could really feel that we we're working on something that was more tangibly impactful. And, you know, that drives a lot of motivation and energy through the organization. So once we did Ayurvedic courses, um, we actually started first becoming a marketplace for Ayurvedic products in the US. So we used to sell other brands. Um, but when we started selling other brands in the US, we realized that in the US and other countries, there are not any really big Ayurvedic brands at all. Uh, I mean, you have some of some size like Himalaya or Banyan Botanicals, but most of the ones that are major brands in India are not major brands abroad. In fact, they have very limited presence abroad. So we said, why be a marketplace if the brands are either not big or even if they are big in another country, they are not known here. You know, so why don't we just build our own brands? Um, and that movement to saying, okay, we'll build our own brands uh, sort of made us a D2C where we stopped the marketplace and we said, okay, now we'll only build our own brands. So we built Ayura from scratch. Um, and Ajara is another brand which first actually we co-owned a small company in the US where we said we'll help you scale this in revenue and distribution. And for that help in scaling revenue and distribution, we will own some percentage of the company. So first our engagement of the Ajara started like that and ultimately we bought out the entire company. Um, yeah. So sometimes we will co-own initially and then ultimately and acquire a, a brand as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that was sort of the transition. And I guess the other thing is that in full integration, you get very good, uh, you know, margins, economies of scale, ability to do mm. project, production, mm -hmm. inventory, all of those things. Uh, so couple of questions, Rishabh. So first was in terms of when you decided to build your own brand, so currently, how does it work? Uh, is it a white label product or do you own the entire supply chain? So we don't own the entire supply chain. We work with third party manufacturers uh, mm -hmm. because uh, there is, I think, lots of excess manufacturing capability in uh, sort of herbal products, natural products, Ayurvedic products in India anyways. So why also have more capital expense to do that as long as you can deliver the quality, etc. So we don't own the manufacturing per se, but uh, all of, uh, so let's break it down. All of the content work, brand work, analytics, acquisition, everything digital tech related is done in-house. And all of the work with the product also, we have a very significant product team employed by us who works very closely with the manufacturer and spends many days at the manufacturer, defines the formulations, works closely with licensing, uh, and has, we have significant involvement and even control on manufacturing. 
so it's not and, it's not pure white label and anyways mm-hmm. um you know when you can purely do a white label we are generally not interested because when you can do a pure white label a lot of people are going to come into that space yes so you mentioned about so we we'll do it in some uh, we we'll do it in some cases but it's rare hmm okay okay and you also mentioned in terms of uh, acquisition so for example mamarth right uh, they they have been uh, known and they have been leveraging social media campaigns and influencer marketing uh, to reach their customers so what has been your strategy or what has worked for you well in customer acquisition space right so uh you know our customer acquisition is uh, deeply based on the on i would say media buying to begin with so we buy a lot of media directly from facebook google and anybody else and uh, we try to take all the decisions deeply analytically um and we you know what we understand quite well is attribution so right usually what people don't get or don't look at deeply enough is the attribution side of uh, customer acquisition uh, so we have a lot of strength on in attribution and a lot of our acquisition comes from direct media buying um we of course uh, do a bunch of organic stuff we do a bunch of work on seo and all those sides but if you want to go deeper in that i mean we can debate it including influencers but the analyst we are, you know we are quite roi focused um and we have rarely seen good roi from either influencers uh or things like seo or even i mean organic you can have good roi but to scale organic significantly you need another kind of engine working um so we i mean long story short if if there was anybody seeking advice for what's the quickest most reliable way to scale i would still say if you take all costs included see so in customer acquisition whichever way you do it you have people costs which also sort of include content cost cuz all content is ultimately created by people whether in house or from an agency and then you have uh, you know distribution costs uh, which is either by paying for clicks or by asking somebody else to send you free clicks or affiliate clicks or you know or you ultimately compensate them for their clicks so if taking all costs of content and distribution together i still think paid is a very efficient channel because you know somebody people could think paid is expensive it is expensive but if you look at the efficiency of all costs together you could find some uh, good good reason to scale quite well on paid now the challenge with paid is you must understand attribution quite well which you know i think there's still a lot of learning for uh for our indian ecosystem to go through uh that's my view but you know it could be limited mm-hmm. sure so rishab if you want to share some insights uh, on the specifics of attribution uh, uh what you have understood till now and if i'm correct uh, when you say attribution you mean to say uh if a lead is getting generated uh from what what all sources it is attributed to in that context you are saying attribution or um uh yeah. something yeah else. i yeah i i would say that context well so the so the things that i can comment on because you know we have um uh, spent a lot of time and research on building our models um the things that i can comment on is that people should focus on getting the model right for themselves and uh always almost always take a third party model so if you if you take the attribution data from the platform you buy from like you take facebook's attribution data or take you know the attribution data directly from google adwords you are probably not taking right decisions 
because they of course have an inherent bias to take more credit than actually i would say they have especially on the final conversion side you know in terms of what actually makes conversion happen so i would just encourage people to think deeply about their attribution and you know uh, third party attribution is probably a better way to go than from the the buying side of you know directly facebook or google mhm um interesting and rishabh you also mentioned in terms of the roi on the influencer marketing you know you haven't seen uh please correct me if i'm wrong if i get it correctly uh, you haven't seen uh, much sort of roi coming from that particular channel any particular reason or any particular learning you want to share on that well well all i would say is that we believe in measurement of everything mm-hmm. and when we have gone to measure the roi on influencers and our experience is mostly foreign it's you know mostly in us market when we want to measure the net roi the net you know the ultimate cac from influencer marketing we haven't found it to be more uh, productive than directly buying from facebook or google got it got it and when uh, uh, so you research you to track track that you know because sometimes people mm. get very excited about oh this influencer has so much reach yes yeah but can that <laughs> can that reach convert to impressions can those impressions convert to clicks and can yes. those clicks convert to sales for you i mean mm. <laughs> there are many variables in the middle you have to solve for before everything comes down comes out to be a uh, you know and a lucrative investment decision absolutely right i mean uh, ultimately it's all about uh, from impression to clicks to sale uh, how much got converted to dollars in the end uh, so definitely i think uh, it's very important and yeah. uh, you mentioned rishab the transition from uh, selling other products to building your own brand so what has been the biggest challenge if i can say so uh, uh, while building your own brand i mean currently uh, you started a long time back so current challenges versus that point in time challenges will be different currently the market is lot crowded in d2c space but just wanted to understand from you when you sort of transitioned into d2c building your own brand what sort of challenges you faced yeah so see by first of all my specific thesis or uh, d2c and in i mean i think the way we see d2c is when you use your own platform uh, if you use a marketplace you use another retailer uh effectively so uh first if i may i just say the way i think somebody should take a decision on whether to focus on their own platform or focus on a marketplace because even today it's rare the case very rare the case that people have been able to make own sales on their own platform successful and significantly large and significantly large i would say above 50 100 crore of revenue annually uh, there are rare cases that people have done that fully on their own platform so i would first of all say if you want to do a d2c which is on your own platform um you must have unique products you must have i would say even a significant number of products because more skus can help you enhance aov um and you must have the team size the experience or the capital to acquire those to work significantly on building the platform so if you don't have those like sometimes i have seen people with few skus etc try to do a d2c or even with 20 plus skus but you know don't have enough of the team then trying to do your own platform d2c is usually a, a bad idea because it doesn't happen you you can't have a good aov to cac ratio and because you don't have that ratio you either burn money or you get demotivated or it's a negative spiral so it's a very careful decision why before you become take a full d2c decision and if you're going to be few sku for whatever reason i think marketplaces are really the way to go 
Um, now, for us, this was easier because we basically been building D2Cs for 10 plus years now, right? Since almost 2010, we have been building our own platform. So building and selling on our own platform is part of what we understand quite well. Uh, the, the challenges I say in D2C brands always remain, I mean, fundamentally are the, are the same, right? Uh, uh, how do you find a channel that works for you? Uh, you know, how do you maintain? I think those things are becoming easier because Amazon, etc., have made it very easy for most people. And if you if you make a very good site and understand conversion optimization, then Facebook can give you very quality traffic. So distribution side has become a bit easier. I think the biggest challenges for D2Cs are going to be in really creating effective product and maintaining consistency of supply. Uh, and of course then well I would like to say branding is a challenge but I think there's a lot of creative talent in India so it's a, it's a challenge to get the best of the talent and you know to get them to want to work in with you and you know within your culture but those are you know that happens I think a lot more in terms of the content and the distribution side but the big challenge for people will be really unique, effective products and maintaining consistency of supply, which, uh, as as everybody scales, it will will be a lot to think about. And as the market, you know, starts to be more vocal about about these things, as a smaller brand, you can get away with more things. As you get bigger, you have to worry about true, you know, more eyes. Mm-hmm. So I hope that's relevant. Sure, sure, definitely. Uh, I just wanted to do a follow-up question. You mentioned, right, uh, distribution is now much more easier thanks to marketplaces like Amazon. But, but I mean, it's easier for everyone, right? Uh, so typically, yeah. uh, is it a good strategy to have a long-term plan and to be uh having the distribution channel let's say for example amazon only because you're not closer to customer you are not getting any data of customer yeah right so how does someone um can someone really rely on a long-term strategy showing graphs or showing sales number uh, let's say for next five ten years relying solely on amazon or any uh, marketplace because ultimately uh, you're not getting a feedback per se. You're not getting the customer data in place. Uh, Amazon at any given point in time can start very well their own Amazon basic brand, if I can say, or white label some other product if they want to. Not in this particular category, but we have seen in other spaces where Amazon or the other players have done that. So what's your thought on that? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, super interesting question. Uh, Well, I think whether on Amazon or on your own platform, Unless there's just a very large gap in the market from the point of view of Amazon, you know, uh, for example, we've seen some brands do very well, grow very big, very fast. They're not necessarily very super unique brands. They're well-made brands, uh, but they're not necessarily super unique, but they've done very well. They've grown big very fast. I think part has got to do with they had very good relationships with Amazon. They worked very well with the teams. They made sure the supply was there at scale and they got pricing very right, right? So they have solved for many other variables and they got that scale on Amazon without being, I would say, super unique brands. But in general, if it's easier for everybody, like you said, the only way to get ahead is much unique product much unique brand. And I think if you solve for unique product and unique brand, then you have a much better chance on either platforms or on your own site. Um, so that's, um, that I, I do think is there. The, the second thing I, you know, I encourage people to do is find the gaps, right? If you work hard enough on finding the gaps, you find interesting things on you know again both marketplaces and things you can do on your own site and feed those gaps with with the 
you know solid products and again then there's there's uh, a lot to be had there um mm-hmm. uh, and rishabh if i can ask you at uh, unit economics level uh, as a company are you profitable well in our 2021 financials we will mm-hmm. post prof- we will post profit okay uh that's yeah. good to know because the, my follow up question is uh, we have seen and as mentioned by you also there have been uh, uh, many brands uh, which have shown significant growth uh, hyper growth if i can say so uh, in the name of uh, so there is always this interplay between growth and profitability right i mean when do you really stop or identify i have pumped in enough money from investor perspective also uh, you know or as a founder there are you said targets you said uh, estimations you said everything and this play you know uh, numbers are growing the audience base is growing but ultimately profit is profitability is no, nowhere near to be seen so how does someone draw that particular line in this sort of dichotomy if it, if you know if i can summarize the question you know till what point is it okay to lose money for growth Uh, well, uh, well, you know, I've tried to answer this question for many years, but I think uh, the point is all entrepreneurs uh, are trying to build an asset which mm. works for all shareholders, including themselves. So, uh, I mean, the point is, are you investing or are you just burning? Now, I would mm. say if you're investing, if you have i really believe in very strong data that you've seen that your ltv to cac ratio is going to work out after paying for all your other costs and ultimately you will get to a profitable state right um so if you have got that really worked out um uh, and then now you're just growing your customer base rapidly because you know your model will work out i think it's okay to uh for example uh, go a little bit on the negative so for example in our coming two years we have a plan to go about 10% negative ebitda because the plan is to ramp up at you know uh, 60 to 100% growth every year and uh, because the plan is like that and because we believe our models are strong uh we will be willing to do that but we have actually even post our first you know uh, let's say series a in 2018 um you know we were very lucky to have the patience of our board which like i was saying that uh, so through this growth versus profitability question even post our series a actually we sort of discussed with our board which includes this includes mohit who led our angel round and kaval from fireside and giri from collaboration uh, another board member uh a relative of mine mr pavan chopra so we we actually really said let us be patient with us let us understand our models uh it is shareholder capital we want to be careful with it and uh, you know the board was patient for us so you know we uh, actually took agreed to do lesser growth for a year in the middle but we got our models really right when you were in the most op- optimum state to acquire customers and so now for the next 3 years we even the last year you know we had significant growth uh, uh you know uh for the next 3 years uh we know we're going to have take a very aggressive growth step because we are confident of the ltv cac model playing out so if you have thought through and tested your models i think it's okay to take a negative downside because then you're not really burning your acquiring and you and you know you're going to have a certain economic value of those customers or leads or whatever it is then i think it's okay but if you're just burning with without having a mm. concrete this thing i think that's very dangerous because you know all investments have liquidation preference so right <laughs> you know investors still might might recover a lot of it you will definitely come out burnt <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true the scary liquidation preference clause <laughs> i mean i don't know scary or not but you should be you should uh, you mm. know you have to deliver returns before you make anything so you should that's, be sure on how you spend that capital that's an excellent point also uh, 
to answer you know if the model is working in the ltv uh, and cag ratios are working and you're not just uh, burning money but you're investing uh, yeah. so i think that's that's an excellent point uh, rishab and so coming to the com- coming to your company the ayurveda experience rishab if you want to share in your journey what has been the so you mentioned you last year you posted significant growth and you're targeting what 40 to 100% growth over next couple of years so what has been the strategic decisions which you have taken in your last 10 years which has really worked for you for example it could be uh, um launching of new products uh, tapping into adjacencies launching uh, more sku something i mean things which you want to share and help us understand uh, what has really contributed to that growth what you sort of in hindsight if you look back you know you you think okay yeah that that was the right decision yeah so again you know more might be more relevant to people who run a full d2c but relevant to i guess all brands sure. we mm-hmm. we are first of all very gap focused we will work very hard to find okay what is the gap in the market only when we have significant scale in, in a market will we add let's say what you call generics right so i don't know if you ever heard of ashwagandha or trifla These yes are, yes right mm-hmm. so ashwagandha and trifla for example we consider as generics so we now are soon going to do them in the us because we are one of the largest if not the largest ayurvedic platform in the us um, and so you know it's a duty to customers to offer it uh, so we'll do it but otherwise we would not easily enter a market with um you know something which is either over penetrated in that market or uh, you know uh, or not unique enough in that market so my uh, i think that that thesis has been very useful for us so we will look at all the competition on amazon all the competition across the web really try to narrow down where we can add value to that sort of universe Uh, or you know particular geography and that's where we will sort of enter first so i think gaps second is uniqueness i think in building brands whether uh, your own platform amazon you 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 know if you are not out of the clutter your chances are heavily depreciated and even if you're a little bit above the clutter you are going to have very significant growth um and uh, you know i am a metrics person so the way i can put that in metrics is why this happens ultimately if all your variables come into better average order values and come into better conversion rates which happen from a uniqueer better more uh, you know more enticing product you will ultimately have better earning per view right and if you have better earning per view you are going to be able to afford more on cost per view um so you are going to be able to get more traffic to your site than the next guy uh and that's why you know you are going to be able to scale faster and longer so you know that uh, uniqueness and better experience i think is the other very important thing we focus on so now in some things we actually will have r&d cycles which are 9 months 10 months uh, or even longer and we are very comfortable with that so i would say that's the other thing so we become very re- i mean we have been for quite a bit and even we try to deep, deepen our research focus on all sides on uh, the marketing side the brand building side the gaps in the market side and the product itself you know the research around the product itself we try to become much more research focused because you know every product whether it's a food product skin product supplement uh, or beverage they're all technologies in effect right lots of variables have to come together work in the right promotion right proportion to build a Uh, a great product which is stable for a long period of time um, so that that tech development around the products itself i think can be a much more sustainable mode for um, any 
sort of let's say digital first brand and so that's a big focus area that we that we look at uh, i would say these are the biggest uh, uh, and and i think those are essential to for repeat purchase so i think ultimately in later as you need the company to get more advanced and improve the quality of revenue one of the biggest thing everybody looking at is repeat purchase right so um that question we try heavily to answer and currently rishab how many uh, sqs you have well we currently have uh, on our us side about 65 sqs um mm-hmm. and within the next 6 months uh we will have about 100 plus sqs because we have new categories launching okay and so you mentioned you are uh, present into multiple uh, international market also as well as india but from your standpoint uh which market currently looks more promising well i think um all markets are promising for different reasons <laughs> you know the the us is uh, promising uh for uh, the reason of the average order values and the size of the market and its openness to alternative health and you know as a opportunity beyond yoga but that's specific to us but as for the market size aov you know high gross margin i guess the us can be an exciting opportunity for uh, most people and we can club that you know access to english language so easy for indian companies to uh, so us australia canada we could sort of club like that they could be exciting for those reasons the the challenging thing in the us and why it's tough for anybody to build a d2c there is the cost of acquisitions are super high right the us yes. markets are uh you know depending on your business could be 4 to 20 times more expensive in customer acquisition costs uh, wow that's so, a lot yeah it's a lot i mean on on average we actually see uh, 15 plus times more expensive uh so um and when the average order values in the us might be only 5 times more expensive so 5 times higher so the the that so those are the pros and cons of the us i think india has been a very exciting market in the last two years and will continue to be in the next two three years primarily because this equation is reversed where uh, average order value is now only 1/5th of the us but advertising cost could be 1/15th of the us and conversion rates because i think facebook has started to work better in india from the little bit data i have seen from some companies which we were advised from time to time since the conversion rate has sort of become same because of facebook or google's ability to predict customer better uh now it's about the big uh discounting in uh cpm or you know advertising cost so i think that advantage will remain to two years till that keeps going up with more and more people coming into the market um but till then it's going to still remain very lucrative in india for from a d2c standpoint and and do you and think that's why uh, you see these big big stories right people going from zero to mm-hmm. however, however many crores you heard of yes yes yeah and and do you think the uh, the user acquisition cost will remain at this level i mean there are uh, ultimately supply and demand right so i mean there are many companies uh, which has started in last couple of years itself uh, in d2c space and uh, the channels are same right for acquisition or use take for distribution what sort of impact do you see or have you seen any impact or changes happening in these sort of these two channel uh, see the of course the let's say cpm let's say the, the market price or traffic will of course will go up i think over a period of time now it how dramatically it goes up depends on how how quickly the ecosystem develop develops in terms of its real knowledge of how these platforms work right 
I would say to, in my understanding today, most companies, most companies, not all, still basically go give their agencies a budget, right? They say spend X amount this right. month or that month. There are the, the companies which understand the space better, basically give an ROI target and then they say spend as much. <laughs> so, uh, and then I would say we still have to develop into how many agencies can actually deliver ROI. So, so we don't, that will all define how the sort of CPM or let's say the market price of traffic moves. But let's say even if it keeps going up, a good company can usually always do okay because it, first of all, many things on the company side get optimized, right? Uh, your own conversion rates can be optimized. Your own average order value can be optimized. Your own click-through rates can be optimized. So if you optimize faster than the growth rate of CPM, you will still do well and you know maybe take a lot of the market share. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I mean, uh, definitely uh, worth seeing how this entire ecosystem uh, uh, evolves over the next couple of uh, years. Wonderful. So, uh, Rishabh, to sort of wrap it up, I wanted to ask you one of my favorite questions. Uh, you have been doing this thing for quite some time now, over 10 years. So, if you were to start from scratch, what would you have done differently? Well, uh, I would focus very hard on defining the purpose of my venture. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was lucky to be able to keep transforming that within my venture. Uh, but, you know, I think it might be even better if you define and think very deeply about the purpose of your venture. I mean, why does it uh, need to exist and does it, you know, solve unsolved problems? So I would say that is one. Now, of course, many people have probably stated that. I think the reason is that a unique, meaningful, good-for-the-world venture drives a lot of energy within the founders themselves and is easily transmittable messages, message to all good talent. I think today good talent actually asks you what is the impact, mm. right? What is the impact that we are going to create? It's not just about capital because it's becoming more of a commodity. It's not a, it's not a total commodity as some people like to stay, but it's becoming more of a, <laughs> more, more, it's becoming more of a commodity. So the, all good talent, which I think companies depend on, wants to know impact and, and purpose. So that should be, I think, very as well through as possible before uh, before you start. And the other thing I would say, especially for brands, etc., is sometimes because of the excitement of revenue or the you know excitement of seeing whatever it is, money. Uh, mm. revenue money flowing in the bank or the way mm. the way people look at numbers we get so focused on these things like uh, all the monetary metrics that you mm. forget that the fundamental of any brand or product to survive will be the quality of the product and its use to to people and ultimately, if those people come back again and again without having to be reminded because of the depth of the product, that is what is going to generate free cash flow. That is what is going to make a business valuable. So, uh, you, know, I, you know, even at the beginning, of course, we had good ideas about that. But I think uh, product has to be central and first even in d2c you know where we talk a lot about brand and marketing like this and that but maybe we need to also think much deeper about product that's the that's the differentiation that will remain for the long term that's the biggest moat yeah that's the biggest that's the biggest moat that that is a technology differentiator i would say which is quite tough to replicate uh so and you talked about purpose, right? Uh, so, I mean, from a founder founder's lens, right, it, it evolves. I mean, or is it static? Like, uh, you define once and that's it. Well, of course, it evolves. It keeps evolves, evolving. But, uh, 
you know and that's how it should be you always hope that your work can get more and more meaningful as you know more about the world uh, so it does evolve but your you know base idea itself must be i think in mm. the right direction so i can say from our uh, if you look at our journey our first idea was to take ideas of india to the world mm. it was a nice idea but it was broad in gen- broad in generic and you know can that attract everybody to rush in it can attract many people but not all people but mm. like when we came down to the idea of okay a global uh, company propagating a strong indian idea of ayurveda which has real benefit to people in terms of healthcare personal care and has unsolved problems of both distribution because it's not well known enough in the west you know uh, it's like 70 times lesser known than yoga in the west so awareness of ayurveda is an unsolved problem and then production and quality standards of ayurveda are also another not fully solved problem right so uh, all of that together you know you can at least for the next many years we can wake up thinking we are solving something that can be good for many people um and it's more specific you know it's it's really more specific to taking a key idea of india to the world a very specific idea of india which we specifically know is good for people's uh, lives and uh, that drives a lot more energy for everybody who works on that idea right and i think that that is key and as a founder uh, rishab what motivates you most uh, at the moment well uh, i will come back to the same thing that uh, you know beyond a point mm. the materialism can't keep you going uh, you know especially if you started off with all you know very little <laughs> you're not even uh, you know you're anyways more into creating than consuming mm. uh, so it's again about are we creating more me- meaning and do we have strong purpose and what more good can we do uh, what more creative also can we do uh, uh, that uh, you know uh, every day my lift in energy comes from sitting in a meeting where some set of people are you know talking a very progressive language about a new creative product or idea right if that's that's the time that you really get the zing back in the day and the meetings which are you know less moving is where we are although sometimes still important but which is more run of the mill or we haven't thought of some more unique way to solve either a product issue or a process issue operational so, well either operational hmm but even in operations if you can achieve efficiency which adds value to our company our people makes everything progress even that can be exciting right and mm, right. Uh, uh and there's a lot to learn from that as well so you know ultimately is something meaningful uh, as long that seems to be the central question how can we make everything more meaningful um more efficient more optimized um and of course has to be sustainably good for um uh, all stakeholders which includes customers employees uh, s- stakeholders right i mean is the overall value addition uh quite good i would say value uh, every time value is being added uh i can feel very good about it and keep going uh that value doesn't all necessarily have to be only material value right uh, so i'm for mm-hmm. example very excited about our uh, beverages businesses or food businesses which are coming we spend over 9 months in r&d because mm-hmm. basically we are taking strong earlier ideas of indian products or ingredients and bringing them to market in a format hopefully which will work much better with today's youth or you know not only youth people of all age groups and will retain its efficacy in terms of the daily dietary requirements 
for any specific kind of product or ingredient. So it's bringing back the good, but in a way that people would also like to receive it. You know, people that in the way people would like to consume it. Um, so, so, so things like these are are very, uh, you know, moving and inspiring and and can keep me going. And the good thing is, in a field like Ayurveda, there's just there's no end to it. You know, you start in food, and you have uh, one end in cosmetics, and then you of course have a lot of ends in healthcare, uh, which we work on. That is true. I mean, you can touch so many spectrums, so many different categories, beauty to uh, beverages, everything. So very excited to hear you're launching in your coming up. You have uh, products lined up in F&B space. Uh, definitely look forward to that. Some healthy drinks you are planning to launch? Yeah, I mean, uh, everything must be healthy if it comes under the brand of Ayurveda. So you know that should be a given. We don't necessarily try to make stuff. We try to make yeah. it as pal- palatable as as possible that you will like the taste as much as possible but that again might not be our key goal our key goal will be that ultimately it is you know really effective for getting you to a more optimized health in and the different foods or beverages or supplements will have different purposes right some could be for immunity some could be for digestion uh, some could be for mental health uh, Whichever one they are for, it gets you to a better state for that specific purpose. Um, so again, again, their defining purpose is important because you can also define the purposes that it's got a tinge of Ayurveda, but it must taste good. So people mm. must like the taste. And for us, for example, very clearly you said, we will try to solve that problem. We'll try to make it tasty, but it's not a central goal. A mm. central goal is you should feel the health impact. Excellent, Rishabh. I think uh, uh, it was wonderful uh, talking to you and thank you for all the valuable insight. I definitely learned a lot today and I'm sure listeners will also enjoy this podcast. Uh, and thank you for coming over to Bliss Business, Rishabh. Thanks, Ashish. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for, for hosting me. I'm very grateful. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, We will be back with more interesting episodes soon. Stay tuned.